If you're inclined to welcome the stars with wine and guitars, then you might feel at home with the Long Road Society, a community of songwriters brought together by the magic of the full moon. In this episode, one of the founders of the Long Road Society is here to tell us in five songs how they grew from a small live performance gathering to a full-fledged studio and label here in Oakland. listening to Select 5, a show that brings you closer to creatives and community builders from the Bay Area and beyond through five songs that matter to them. I'm your host, Pam Torno, and my guest selector today is someone who I've been wanting to chat with for, oh, about a year now, uh, but the pandemic got in our way. Uh, her name is Lisa Pizzino, and she's the co-founder and manager of the Long Road Society, which is an Oakland-based record label, studio, and artist collective. She is also the co-founder and curator of Run With The Moon, which is the Long Road Society's full moon music series showcasing singer-songwriters from near and far. Lisa is here to take us on a five-song road trip from the Long Road Society's origins to where it is today and where it's going next. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me at long last. Thank you, Pam, for having me. I'm really excited to talk. I know it's been, you know, we went from meeting at Barshiru over a year ago to a long a long time <laughs> from then till now. <laughs> yeah, we no nobody knew what was what we were in for. Um, but anyway, yeah. So, um, uh, I want you to tell us a little bit about what the Long Road Society is. Um, so you describe yourself as purveyors and enthusiasts of cosmic American music, but tell us a little bit about the roster of musicians that you represent and what kind of unifies them. Sure. Yeah. So the Long Road Society is a record label based in Oakland and, um, we're really in foundation, a vinyl record label that that's kind of where we, uh, where we started. We'll get into that, I'm sure at some point, but we met a lot of people through our time in the Bay Area that were amazing musicians that um, didn't have records, didn't have, you know, a debut out. And and we kind of uh, saw this uh, opportunity, I guess, to create something with this community of artists that we had worked with for a long time. So um, we have a lot we have we have 10 artists now that are on the long road society um and i would say that the the tie that binds besides them all being community members and um dear dear people to us is um that that what they reach for in their songs or or in their um writing um in their photography um in some cases is kind of a um a cosmic um and, and universal connection to things um, and so I think that, you know, cosmic American music was coined in a lot of, a lot of people's history by Graham Parsons. Um, and that defines kind of a certain genre of music. We're not quite talking about that. We're more talking about, um, you know, a, a cosmic lean, um, that all of the people on the label represent in their own way. I, I think a lot of people describe um, the Long Road Society and the Run with the Moon as kind of a root scene, of, um, and and you know the the musicians who who participate are sort of roots musicians. So is that is that label too limiting to you, or is it does that seem about like a, like a good descriptor of what what the type of music that you make? I think that it was probably a good descriptor when Run with the Moon started, and then when the label was born out of that. I think it is probably 
um, becoming less and less relevant as we continue to kind of explore uh, what the the community of of musicians truly evolves into. Um, I think when when we started Run with the Moon, the idea was to showcase music that carried tradition, um, but not necessarily just you know folk tradition or or kind of what what people often think of when they think roots music, the blues, um, folk, uh, that kind of uh, American roots music. It was a little bit more um, universal music that kind of represents traditions that have been carried globally in all different genres and cultures. Well, whatever you want to call it, I think it's, um, you know, pretty amazing that you were able to coalesce a music scene um, a, a very specific music scene. Was that something that you expected? Were you surprised? Um, yes, I, we were, it was both intentional. And I think we have been really surprised by, um, how much it has grown and, and how many people have kind of, um, uh, become involved in it and really, uh, shown their appreciation and, and how much they love it. Um, but, but truly when, when we started Run With The Moon, the initial conversation, which was between uh, Kit Center, who's a, a co-founder of, of the Long Road Society, and Desiree Cannon, one of the artists, um, the three of us were talking about kind of this hole that we felt like existed in um, Bay Area songwriting and, and kind of a place where um, songwriters that were a little bit more kind of uh, I don't know, tough but tender, um, not necessarily kind of what the the folk music that maybe San Francisco is a little bit more known for in, in present day, but that there was sort of not a place where songwriters would go to like really listen to other songwriters and, and meet each other and, you know, have a drink together um, and and would would gather around song. And I think that was something that was kind of... Um, we did think that there were people out there that would would want that and that it was missing. Um, so in this way, it, it started with that kind of an intention of, of really creating a community space where people could gather around song. So let's get into it, actually, because um, I think your story is kind of best told through this song discussion that we're going to do. Um, I'm going to we're going to lead off your selections uh, with the tune that inspired the name Run With The Moon. So let's hear a little bit of that. Well, I used to wake and run with the moon. I lived like a rake in a young man. Covered my lovers with flowers and wounds My laughter the devil would frighten The sun she would come and beat me back down But every cruel day had its nightfall I'd welcome the stars with wine and guitars Full of fire and all right, that is a tune called Rake by the late, great Towns Van Zant from his 1971 album Delta Mama Blues, his fourth album. Um, a very dark song from a songwriter that uh, you, I think, consider the patron saint of the Long Road Society. Tell us what this song means to you. 
Yes. So Towns, um, I would consider him probably more the patron saint of Rum with the Moon. Um, and uh and kind of the what what conjured Rum with the Moon into being. Um so Rake is a dark song. Um and and it is uh I think at the same time represents Towns's discography fairly well he was a dark songwriter he wrote about a lot of really tough subject matter um and as i was talking about before i think that um that run with the moon in its creation was sort of looking for those songwriters or looking for those people that that didn't necessarily talk strictly about the dark things that towns was talking about but that were talking about real issues and gritty issues that weren't just love songs <laughs> you know and and i i think that um we when we gathered desiree and, and kit and i to kind of talk about what a night what a regular night could look like we knew we wanted it to be monthly we knew we wanted it to be um you know very community based we knew that the kind of music that we wanted to be featured but it took a while to define it. And Towns became our kind of, um, he, he was the example to which we looked to, um, for, uh, for the energy that a songwriter carries and, and what they're trying to convey and, and kind of the deep work that they're doing in, and then conveying this music. And it doesn't mean that they have to be sad country songwriters. Um, mm -hmm. but, but an energy, I guess, uh, about, about the way that he writes and, and conveys his, um, his stories. So anyway, in considering run with the moon, um, Rake came up because we were honestly thinking of a theme and thinking of like, what, what do we do? You know, what, what exactly does this revolve around and, and run with the moon, that line, I used to wake and run with the moon. I lived like a rake as a young man. It's like, it's very, um, potent and immediately I mean, I never thought that a venue would go for it, but we said, oh my gosh, like, what if we call it Run With The Moon and we do it every full moon? And it's the songwriters gathering that happens on the full moon. And that was really all came out of the first time that um, Desiree Kit and I met to, to talk about it. And so um, thank goodness for Starline. Yeah, let's actually talk about the venue, the venue where you start, um, which was... An the Starline Social Club, which sadly um, is no longer around. It fell victim to the pandemic. Um, and you all were so deeply connected to that space. That's where Run With The Moon uh, was held once a month. Um, so uh, tell us what, uh, I, I mean, I can't imagine how, what your your reaction was to that with the news of their closing. Yeah, um, Starline you know, was our clubhouse and our, our home base in so many ways for the Long Road Society. Um, I, when Starline opened, um, one of, one of the owners uh, is a dear friend of mine, um, Drew Bennett, who we have worked together and lived together and done projects together for over a decade in the Bay Area. And, and so he brought me in very early on and I DJed there every Wednesday night. Um, for the first four years of Starline, 
um, being in existence. Um, and that was where we met Desiree Cannon. Um, she was a, a waitress um, on Wednesday nights and I was DJing on Wednesday nights. And, and so we really kind of, she and I fell in love with each other over records. And, you know, I would, at that time, Starline was not nearly as popular as it ultimately became, but we, uh, we spent a lot of time with, you know, 10 people in the bar and I would play, you know, old country records and I would play new, um, songwriters that I was interested in. And, um, and so she and I and, and Kit, um, really connected at, at Starline in those early days. And then, um, it was kind of the obvious venue for, um, for run with the moon and, and what we were, when we were even talking about it, it was always going to be at Starline. There wasn't kind of a, a question about venue. It was the back room still wasn't really a venue, but we wanted mm -hmm. to do it back there. Um, and, and Drew and Adam Hatch, um, you know, one of the creative masterminds of Starline, um, really just were super supportive and said, you know, go for it, turn the back room into a, a small underground little venue for the full moon. And so those were really the first shows back there in that, in that back room. Um, you know, the first show we had, we brought in a sound system with, you know, two little speakers and a few microphones. So, um, and it just grew from there into, into, you know, what it, what it has become five years later. Yeah. I had the pleasure of attending a couple of run with the moon shows and each time I went, um, it was a packed house and in that, the, the, what is that room called the explorers club? Is that, is that what it used to be called? It had many uh, names, but yes, <laughs> it, it really was, um, uh, wall to wall and, you know, thinking about how we're not we're not allowed to be doing that right now um it just i was astounded about how many people you really packed in there um but since then you uh you have been live streaming you've done a few live streams of uh run with the moon on your youtube channel can you talk to, about what that was like what's what what's been like adapting to that definitely yeah we um when the pandemic first hit, you know, we were, we were doing run with the moon every full moon. So we had done right before, um, everything got shut down. Um, and you were at this show, um, the Towns Van Zant show, yes, um, you know, I thank goodness everyone in that room was healthy because about a week later, the Bay area shut down. We, we just didn't know what was going to hit us. Um, but, but we had, um, our four year anniversary show and then everything shut down and, um, you were not really digital people We're very kind of in, in person, um, in, in so much of what we do. And so I'd never thought we would take it online or I, I didn't, that wasn't the first thing that struck me. You know, we were, we didn't consider it for a while. And then actually, um, Brian, Brian Lovett, who is our, um, our sound, our main sound engineer at all of our live shows. Um, we met him working at Starline, but he has since traveled all over with us doing live show, live sound in remote places. Um, and he's also a photographer on the, on the record label. <laughs> we have a couple of, you know, interesting offshoots of, of what we involve, but, um, Brian actually approached me and said, Hey, you know, uh, buddy and, and me are starting, uh, a live stream, uh, 
kind of uh, support system for artists and and would you want to carry Run With The Moon into the digital sphere? And so with their help, really, I, I think we wouldn't have done it on our own um, safe distance music. It's uh, Brian and then our friend uh, Luke Judd, who does the video side of it. Um, they really brought that to fruition. And what we realized just after the first show was that people just really needed it. They needed it and they wanted it. And, um, you know, there was like 150 people that tuned in or something to a, you know, digital live stream. And, and we were kind of floored, you know, it's just, it isn't the way that we are used to listening or experiencing live music, but, um, the community was there. The chat was really lively. People were just emailing and, you know, writing to me or thank you so much for continuing it. We we're so excited to still have this community event to return to. And so it immediately felt so important to continue that it was something that, um, even if that wasn't necessarily where we were at in wanting to purvey music, it felt like the community had spoken, you know, it was, it needed to go on in in that format. Yeah, I I think we're all kind of amazed at how how much everyone has adapted to wanting, to, you know, everyone who has been craving live music has adapted uh to these live streams and 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 so many people are doing it um and there's there's audience there and there's engagement there and there's there's just and it just kind of speaks to as you say like how much we all need that community, whether it's uh, whether it's in person or remote, but hopefully it will be in person very very soon. Um, I want to uh, I want to actually move us on to your uh, next song selection because, as you say, it's not just sad country songs that inspire you. Um, selection number two brings us to the origins of your label's name and philosophy. I'll take the long road. I'll take the long road. song is called I'll Take the Long Road by Naomi Shelton and the Gospel Queens. Uh, Naomi sadly passed away uh, not long ago in February 2021. Uh, she's a lesser known Daptone label artist than Sharon Jones and Charles Bradley, but certainly no less talented. Uh, and that song is from her 2009 album, What Have You Done, My Brother. Lisa, what does The Long Road represent to you? The long road represents to me, um, well, certainly not taking any shortcuts, which she talks about quite a bit in that song as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that it it represents really doing things with intention and doing things, knowing why you're doing things in moving forward and and understanding um, all of the little shortcuts shortcut opportunities that are available for you in life, but in music. Um, and, and I think that as we continue to move forward in the availability of media and the availability of everything digital, um, it's so important to remember, um, the thing that you're truly after and, and making your decisions based on that. And I think that for the long road society, 
um, we are centered around creating community around music. And sometimes that looks totally different than what the music industry wants you to do. Um, and, and that can have to do with popularity and it can have to do with, um, you know, the way that you make your music available digitally, how much you play the PR game. Um, there's a lot of things in that. And, and so I think it's kind of a, the long road and taking the long road is, um, is really about making sure that you are grounded in your intentions as, as you walk the path. Um, and I have to say that it is, um, the, the ethos of the long road society is something that is, is so important. I, I think to, you know, the founders kit, uh, myself and, and Morgan Nixon, who I'm, I'm sure I'll talk about more, uh, at some point, but, it's also, I think, very important to the artists and, and when the artists come on board, they kind of, uh, it's, it's a natural vetting process as far as like who is, is involved with the label because, um, you just kind of like fall into step or you don't. Um, and, and I think that we are so fortunate that we have so many artists that are really, really like understand what we're about and, um, are excited about it and support it and are down to walk the long road with us. Yeah. I think it's also interesting that uh, Naomi Shelton's kind of music career sort of was a bit of a long road. So she, I guess, kind of similar to Sharon Jones um, uh, or, or Charles Bradley, they weren't known musicians. So Naomi Shelton had been performing music for like some 40 years um, before she put out her first album, uh, in the two thousands. So I'm, I'm just wondering if that's something that kind of resonated with you as well. Absolutely. And, and Daptone, um, as a label is a huge inspiration for, for us. We, we really have been following the Daptone label for, um, you know, a couple decades since, since they began really. And, um, as record collectors and just lovers of music. Um, and I think that the, one of the things that is so beautiful is these, the artists that they feature, Naomi included. Um, and, and Naomi, as you said, one of the lesser known artists, right? I mean, she isn't the name like Sharon Jones or, um, you know, Charles Bradley or, or some that, that have like toured more extensively. Um, but I do feel like the artists were all just performing and living in music because they love it and for the for the sake of the song you know to back to towns but like mm -hmm. you know that um that feeling that creation of art is just an essential part of your human spirit and that is why you do it and foundationally you will just always do it you will make music and art regardless of um who responds to it and how they respond to it. Um, and, and, you know, sort of the, the career that has become, you know, art and music. And, um, I think that that Daptone showcases so many artists that, that lived that life and then, you know, sometimes 40 years later got to release their, their first hit, <laughs> You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's very inspiring. Um, so 
Yeah, I agree. Yeah. There's no expiration date on making your art. No. Um, so, okay, so we're going to switch gears, actually, to an entirely different genre once again with your third selection. So let's take a listen. No man is an island. As a brother and remember each man's dream as your own. Now we need All right, that is No Man is an Island, an absolute classic reggae tune by Dennis Brown, released in 1969. I think he was only 12 years old. Uh, what do you want us to know about this song, Lisa? So No Man is an Island is a foundation um, roots tune. And I think that I included this song because really um, one of the foundations of Long Road Society is Jamaican music. And um, it is how Morgan, the co- one of the co-founders of Long Road Society, it's really how we became friends 20 years ago when we were both living in Boston. And um we started collecting Jamaican 45s. That was kind of our first foray into record collecting um, and and kind of our continued obsession with with vinyl, to which he has taken to new heights. I'm, he's left me far, far in the dust. Um, but we we really like the foundation of our relationship was always around collecting records and, and truly around Jamaican music and studying Jamaican music. Um, and so there's that part of no man is an island, but also the sentiment of no man is an island. I, I love and, um, is, is very important to, you know, long road philosophy as well. It's like, we're, we're nothing without each other. We are, you know, as, as we move forward, we're, we have to continue to realize that the interconnectedness of, um, you know, all things, all people is, um, is so critical to, to survival and, and just, you know, figuring out the way forward. And so we, um, named, and this was actually Morgan and I kind of collaborated on, on naming his first book, No Man is an Island, um, Mm -hmm. which is a, a a collection of, um, over 150 Jamaican singles, um, that he kind of gets into detail of their, um, the songs, their pressing quality um, of, uh, of of Studio One specifically, and so he kind of goes down roads that had not really been gone down before in um, as far as writing about specifically Studio One forty fives and um, and a, a collector's guide kind of to um, to how to find the best sounding. Um, Jamaican vinyl. So, uh, so yeah, that, that kind of, um, that song has been a huge part of our friendship for a long time. And, and then it ultimately became the title of his book. Well, it's also great that that book is, um, it it is a collector's guide. Um, and so it's, you know, it's telling people like how to, you know, how to find the breast pressings. I think record collecting can sometimes be, um, kind of insular and, uh, maybe kind of exclusionary, but this one is kind of inviting people in. Um, and, and I, I think that's great. Are you, do you intend to publish more books like this or, or have you published more books like this? 
Um, yes, to both. So, so just um, in December of 2020, we released Morgan's second book, which is about um, 50s and 60s rhythm and blues 45s, um, which is actually, I think, even more accessible than his first book. I think that that if you just love 50s and 60s blues and rhythm and blues music, you'll, you would thoroughly enjoy um, the, his newest book, which is, is even longer than the first one. Um, and the, the format is really cool. Each page has kind of a label scan of, or, or a full 45 scan of the tune that he's talking about and then discusses a little bit of the history and talks about where you can find it and um, you, on what labels you can find it and, and kind of relative ease of, of tracking it down and how expensive it will be. Um, and the book is really focused on what he refers to as the first DIY music in, in America, which, which I think I've argued with him about, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I think that he has a, a real point in um, the number of small labels, uh, record labels that existed that were putting out 50s and 60s rhythm and blues um, and almost entirely by black label owners. And so it was really this amazing, um, you know, kind of cultural output. Um, and it, it was uh, people were leveraging everything that they had to be able to put out this music. So it's a cool history book on, on that. Um, and, and Morgan is so prolific, um, in his music knowledge. It's, it's almost, it's really staggering the amount of different genres that he has studied, what he collects. Um, and so he has many books. Um, we have an ongoing joke that I, I won't talk to him about any of his like upcoming books that he's already writing before we release the next book that has already been <laughs> sent to press. So he's, he just is, he's writing all the time. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so the rhythm and blues book came out in December and m my guess is, you know, within a year we will have a book probably on Northern soul. I think that's the, the next one that's, that's going to be hitting the shelves. All right. Well, let's we'll look forward to that. Um, okay, so those were three songs that were influential to you. Now we're going to move into the good stuff. We're going to move into the uh, original music that you're uh, putting out into the world, that Long Road Society is releasing. Here is Lisa's fourth selection. Sitka Sun, a project led by uh, bassist Patrick Murphy, who I know is a good friend of yours, Lisa. The song is called Seek to Spare from the second Sitka Sun album released by the Long Road Society, which uh, this one just came out in January. Lisa, tell us about this selection. So Sitka Sun, um, Patrick Murphy is actually my cousin. Um, and, and Sitka Sun <laughs> is um, his project that really... Um, it really kickstarted the Long Road Society. Um, and, and I'll talk first about the debut, which was our very first release um, back in January of 2018. And um, the reason that it is so important, um, or one of the reasons it's so important, is that um, Patrick had 
recorded the album years before and I had been hearing it for a while and, and just loved it. It wasn't out in the world. Um, it was, you know, had a different name, uh, project name associated with it. And, and he had kind of put it on the shelf. Um, but I continued to listen to it and I just really loved it. And when we got around to talking about starting a record label and, you know, bringing recording Desiree and releasing Aviva La Fay's music and, you know, talking about all of these different people, I was nervous, you know, I'm like, I, we didn't know how to run a vinyl record label. I didn't know anyone personally that did. <laughs> and so it was kind of, um, we, we really didn't know what we were doing. And, um, and so I said, Hey, cuz remember that album that, <laughs> that, um, you worked on years ago that I love, um, and it has never seen proper release. What do you think about putting it out on long road society? And I was very honest. I was like, you know, we don't totally know what we're doing, but you know, we would, we love the album. And, and what do you say we do a, you know, small press on vinyl and, and put it out. And, you know, he jumped right on board, was really excited about it. Um, and, and then when we released the debut, it really kind of got, um, got a lot of underground en energy in Oakland and, and beyond people, uh, people really, really loved it. And so it, it just, you know, we were off to a great start. Um, but it was, um, for, you know, for Patrick, uh, such a gift I felt like to us just to say, you know, Hey, I, I, I know I'm the Guinea pig, but I'm, I'm totally happy to do it and, and let's see how it goes. Um, so fast forward three years to the second album, um, all the way West, which we released in January. Um, Seek Despair is one of my favorite sleeper tunes off of it. I think it's just such a great mellow, um, soundtrack to, to just about anything. Um, and he worked this time with, um, all Oakland musicians. So Patrick composes all of the music and then, um, he works with a lot of different people to bring it to life. Um, so both in the ensemble and in the recording studio. Um, so I think it kind of, it steps even deeper into, into jazz and improvisation this time around and, um, has so far been really well received, um, by, by folks. So, so we're, yeah, we're just honored to represent them and, and, and really grateful that, that they, you know, took a chance on us. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, that the, that first record certainly was very well received. Um, I know that it was one of the the way in which I discovered the Long Road Society was I went to a record store. It was a record that was recommended uh, to me and um, or actually it might have been to my husband. Um, but I, I think he brought the record home and said, um, Donovan recommended this record. Let's let's give it a listen. And then that's that's how I discovered uh, the Long Road Society. So I would imagine that's how a lot of people will discover you as well. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, releasing music and uh, physical formats. Uh, you do release digitally and obviously you release on vinyl uh, and even on cassette. I'm just wondering, how do you decide on the physical format for each new release? So it's really a joint decision between um, Long Road and the artist and, you know, depends to some extent on the, the resources that um, are available and what the upcoming uh, kind of uh, release schedule is. Um, right now, it depends a lot on lead times for vinyl. We're actually releasing a couple of tapes this year that could have seen vinyl release if it, if it hadn't been for 
kind of pretty crazy backup that's going on in, in vinyl pressing and production. Um, but I think that largely, um, it is a combination of how quickly the artist wants their, their project to come out. Um, and, and I think whether we have kind of the space and capacity in our release schedule to put it on record versus putting it on tape. Um, I think that for our vinyl releases, we consider all of them major releases for the artists, um, you know, and, and really up until the Sitka Sun, they were all debuts, right? It was like the body of work that so many of these artists had been working on for, um, you know, sometimes 10 years catalog of songs right and deciding it's like that to me is an obvious vinyl release right it's like all right this is your debut this is the first time you're putting your songs um to tape or 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 to computer um but like for the most part i think that that those were all the debuts really were were no question of of um of a vinyl release and then we've um worked with cassette as a way to kind of both be able to afford and have the capacity to continue to put out kind of smaller projects, EPs, um, in between those major releases. Well, you've been very prolific this year so far. It's only April. Um, and you uh, released the new Sitka Sun album in January. And now um, we're going to talk about uh, your fifth and final selection, which is the latest... Uh, Long Road Society release. Um, let's take a listen to this. I heard you when driving on the levee road. The Lost Days, which is uh, Sarah Rose Jenko of Dawn Writing, another Long Road Society uh, artist, and uh, Tony Molina. Um, and that was a song called Levy Road. It's obviously brand new, um, but the song that you chose to talk about is um, not the single, not the single from this release. Um, tell me why you want to talk about Levy Road. So... I wanted to talk about Levy Road because, well, it's it's the only song on the Lost Days release that um, features Sarah Rose's songwriting, and I, um, I'm such a fan of Sarah Rose and Dawn Riding, you know, along with her being a dear friend. But I'm I'm a true fan of of her her way with words and melody, um, and I just this song Levy Road was actually one that she had written and felt like didn't have a place necessarily with Dawn Riding. And, um, and I think that part that that sentiment is part of how the lost days came into existence was, um, you know, some of these songs for Tony or Sarah Rose that were like, all right, these might not be songs for whatever the main project are, but whatever their main projects are, but, um, but still, um, you know, want to see the light of a, of a proper release. And so I think Levy Road just has such a vibe. And I think it is a spring and summer song for the Bay area and, you know, Sacramento Delta. It's a, it's about driving, uh, route 160 out 
from the Bay Area, you know, into all of the, you know, Delta. It it really almost feels like the Mississippi Delta when you get out there. I mean, just beautiful, um, uh, beautiful levee roads. And, and it is such a, a special place to kind of travel with your sweetheart and, and uh, go on an adventure. So to me, it, it felt, it feels very uh, relevant as we move into the, to the summer season. And, um, and I just, I do think that it is one of the uh, best songs on, on that EP. Um, but lots of credit to be given to In the Fade as well, which is the single that we just released. And we're so happy to be working with Tony and, you know, years ago wouldn't have imagined that a possibility, but he has become a dear friend and supporter of the label. And it's really great to be able to work with him. Um, and that whole project was recorded in the analog recording studio that we had in Oakland. So that is, which unfortunately is not in existence anymore because we, we moved out of that house. But um, the Lost Days EP uh, was the last thing that was recorded there. Oh, so where are you going to be recording now? So we are... Um, going to be recording out of a place that we are in now in Crockett, California. And um, we also have a remote studio in Big Sur that we've been working on for the past two years. Oh, wow. Are those, are those permanent spaces or are those? Yes, they're, they're both permanent spaces. We, um, the one in Oakland actually was, was not a permanent space, but now we're kind of, um, we have like true home bases in both Crockett and in Big Sur. Um, and, and yeah, we're, we're continuing to put our, our energy into both of those. And we're currently recording Desiree Cannon's new album in Big Sur, which has been, um, such an amazing experience. Um, and, and are going to be the Crockett studio really um, kit center has been recording some things here, but, but otherwise is, isn't going to probably be, you know, fully realized until the pandemic is, is um, truly settled down. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, both of those uh, kind of uh, big Sur in particular, very, you know, beautiful California landscape, very inspiring. And I think that's, kind of what I'm hearing in, in everything that you you do is, um, I don't know, in a way, it, it sounds very much like the West Coast. Absolutely. And and I think that um, Big Sur, I mean, just the opportunity, and we will not go into that story, but um, it has been such an opportunity to, to be able to work on and build this studio, Sundog Studios is the name of it, down in Big Sur, um, has been such a gift and and really the goal there is um is full immersion. You know, the the hope is that artists can actually take the week or however long and um be there, stay on the property and um dive into recording in a way in which um they can be inspired by the landscape and inspired by the environment um and and witness kind of um where that uh where that goes in the music and and yeah, so far, I mean, Desiree recorded pretty much a surf song, so I I think it's working. 
<laughs> that's great that's great that sounds like a dream lisa thank you so much for sharing your origin story through these five songs this was um by far the most eclectic list of tunes of any of our guests um before i let you go can you tell us what is next for the long road society what's the best way for people to find out what you all are up to yes absolutely um I am glad that you asked that because I wanted the opportunity to mention our next like major release. Our next vinyl release is going to be Michaela McVeigh, who I haven't talked about yet, but is a phenomenal songwriter and her album, which I now have the masters to, and I'm so bummed that we have to wait months for everyone else to hear them. But um, it's just a phenomenal album and that will be out most likely in the fall of 2021. Um, and she's working with um, Skyway Man. James Wallace is a, a, a close friend and, and produced the album and has just an all-star cast of musicians playing on it. Twain, uh, Sam Doors from the Deslons, um, uh, James Wallace and Skyway Man is all over it. Um, so yeah, it, it's a really phenomenal album and, and that will come out on vinyl in the fall. And then we're going to also be releasing a tape by Dawn Riding as a as um their their next album and will be a part of um a series that we're curating at the Berkeley Art Center of of very small um live shows in June. In person live shows in-person live shows outdoors thank goodness yeah okay. yeah so so we are are working with um the berkeley art center to put on uh four thursdays in june um different uh two artist bills for for the month of june so we're very excited to be able to do that it's going to be probably 25 tickets a show um and and just oh wow kind of socially distanced and small but but kind of dipping our toes back into the live music world um and then probably an in-person run with the moon in august Ooh. yeah that's that's kind of what we have coming up and um yeah you can follow us on all the all the networks sign up for our email lists we're, we're pretty good about um, keeping emails up to date and also giving the email list a little bit more heads up and advance notice on ticket sales and things like that. So if you really are, you know, kind of want to be in, in the underground know of what we're doing, definitely sign up because I do email and, and I, I let our kind of constant supporters know what's, know what's coming um, before anyone else. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lisa. We've got a lovely companion playlist uh, compiled by Lisa on Spotify, and um, that's going to include a whole lot of other Long Road Society artists. So if you, you want to know more about what they're doing and, and how they sound, you should listen to that. Um, we're going to share a link on our socials. We've come to the end of our road with this episode, but we will be back with another new episode soon enough. Uh, until then, we hope this one inspired you to choose the long road because it makes the destination all the more sweeter. As always, I'm your host, Pam Torno. Our producer is Kate Sullivan. Our technical producer is Brian Douglas. We thank you for listening. Stay in touch on Instagram at Select5 or on Twitter at Select5Show. Take care, everybody.